Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. Welcome to Episode 7 of the Liberty Cafe. I am really glad you are with me today. My two favorite political commentators are Douglas Wilson and Mark Stein. They're very different in a lot of ways, different styles and personalities, but they do have several important things in common, very similarities. First of all, they're Christians. Second of all, they're, they're entertaining because they maintain a sense of humor in the midst of the turmoil of this world. And third, and to the point of our podcast today, they understand that we live in a world at war today. That should be obvious to everyone, especially to Christians. The problem is that many Christians don't really understand where this war is taking place. They tend to individualize it and personalize it in the sense that we're dealing with sins that are internal to us, and then they they come out in the form of murder and rape and abortion, divorce. They understand that, that sin is manifested in the world, but they're really blind, I think, when the war takes place, as it does all the time, in our civic institutions. So to help us understand this a little bit, let's go to the Bible and read Psalm 2. Why to the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take their counsel together against the Lord and his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. Acts 4 tells us that Psalm 2 is a prophecy of the crucifixion. But it's not just about the crucifixion. It actually provides us with a general overview of the world's battle against God. A battle that, of course, started long before the crucifixion and continues to this day. As I noted, the the battle against God is not just fought at the individual level. In fact, kings and rulers of the earth, as we see in Psalm 2, plot and gather against God to overthrow him. In fact, nations rage against God. 
not just individuals or groups of people, but entire nations rage against God. So this war is being raged everywhere in the culture. It's in the church. It's in science. It's in the arts. It's in the schools. It's in capitals, state, national. And it's in the public policy debates across the planet, everywhere. And of course, one of those public policy debates where this battle is being raged right now is the Panic of 2020, otherwise known as the COVID-19 lockdown. We've seen and heard about many of the petty tyrants have that have shown up around the globe who are attempting to lock down everyone and shut down all dissent. One who comes to mind readily is Gretchen Whitmer, but there are plenty of others. And Mark Stein provides us with an example from England. Let's give him a listen. Yesterday at about 3 p.m. BST, that's either British summertime or bovine spongiform time, I forget which, just round the corner from the Spectator's old offices in Doughty Street in London West Central 1, where in the good old days Boris Johnson would treat me to a three-quid spag bowl. Where was I? Oh, yeah. Hector Birchwood. Hector Birchwood was on his way to post some business mail and to get lunch when he got the attention of an oncoming police vehicle with two officers. The car did a swift U-turn into Doughty Street and one constable got out to follow Mr Birchwood while the cop car stopped just ahead of him in the road to block his path. As PC King explained, they were onto him because he had the look of a man who has just, quote, parted with someone. And we can't have that, can we? He stops you, sir. It's because I've noticed you walking down. It looks like you've just parted with someone. You've then turned around and walked the other opposite direction. I have not parted with anyone. I have just been walking from my home. Got that? Mr. Birchwood had not actually parted with someone. He was on his own, on his Todd, as they used to say in London. But he has the low and suspect air of a man who might have recently parted with another equally unsavoury character. And looking like a chap who's recently parted with someone is these days in England, Mother of Parliament's Crucible of Liberty. In modern England, that's grounds for being detained by the peelers. Furthermore, Mr Birchwood then committed the additional offence of noticing that he was now being followed by the plods. Back, the police car was passing when we pass you and then you look back again and then you suddenly crossed over the road and come in here so my concern is i'm thinking why is he paying so much attention so that's why i've come to you and the officer jumped out spoken to you and asked you a question why wonders pc king is this man paying so much attention to us paying so much attention to him if he were innocent he'd surely pay no attention to us paying attention to him so now being highly trained officers we're paying attention to him, paying attention to us, paying attention to him. And this insolent boob member of the public now wants to up the ante by getting out his telephone and paying attention to us, paying attention to him, paying attention to us, paying attention to him. You immediately have assumed I don't know what. 
and now you're immediately you've got your phone out and you're starting to try and film us to intimidate us. I'm not too sure why. My name's PC King. I'm attached to Shortest Police Station. My number's 3121T for Tango. I haven't detained this male under any power. I'm asking him a simple question. Okay, at the moment, he can walk off should he so wish. I haven't detained him, but he's choosing to film me for some reason, okay? Well, you explained the reason, didn't you, PC King? He's filming you to intimidate you. That's what you said. You following him is not intimidating him. Your colleague blocking his path with his police car isn't intimidating him. You accusing him of being the sort of man who gives off the air of having recently parted with someone, which is apparently a serious crime in London, isn't intimidating him. But Mr Birchwood whipping out his cell phone is intimidating you. And as I mentioned the other day, no one has seen more police out on the street than during this lockdown. There's never a policeman around when you're being stabbed. There's never a policeman around when you're being urinated on by your Muslim grooming gang. But there's a squad car waiting for you if you're sauntering down the pavement with the mien of a chap who has recently parted from someone. Nobody tells the truth as good as Mark Stein. Well, Doug Wilson does, but very few do. He, he understands where the battle lines are being drawn in this great war. Now, some might say his description here is just anecdotal, that we can't build public policy or even a worldview on anecdotes. But the truth of the matter is that we have far too many instances of similar anecdotes. At some point in time, you have to start saying this is the norm rather than just a simple isolated one-off. We've seen Shelley Luther, the Dallas hairdresser. We've seen the two beauticians in Laredo. We've even seen surfers getting arrested in Malibu. Yep, this paddleboarder was arrested after refusing to get out of the water in Malibu. If you go out on the ocean across the USA, you're wearing a swim shirt because of your scrawny ways. Uh, it's for the sun. Well, you just might notice the police in your way. I'm alone in the ocean because it's illegal to be surfing in the USA. They're catching them out paddleboarding, letting their children play. If you haven't heard him before, that was Remy. He's done some great parody videos for the Reason Foundation. I highly suggest you look him up and give him a listen. I think this video really highlights what is going on in the world, not just in the panic of 2020, but in our culture generally. And that is that our leaders are lying to us. For instance, we have to stay home to protect ourselves or others. They tell us. They tell us that women can be men, that boys can compete in girls' athletic events, that women have sole control over what happens to their bodies and their babies, that the Trump campaign colluded with Russia to steal an election, that stealing money from taxpayers and consumers and giving it to big business is economic development, that carbon dioxide is destroying the planet, that whites are inherently racist. The lies are endless. Yet too many Christians and self-described conservatives 
just can't see straight on these lies. They, they fall for these lies. They don't understand that they're being deceived. Douglas Wilson has some great ideas about how we got into the situation. He, he calls it a culture of lies that we're dealing with today. And he, and he did some really good work on his most recent post on Blog and My Blog, and I'd like us to listen to it for just a minute here. So what contributed to this perfect storm of chaos? What established this newly arrived chaos where before there was the order of Christendom? The factors were many, and so the following list is not exhaustive. And it is worth pointing out even today that items on this list have their ostensible Christian defenders. They want to defend Orthodox Christianity and evolution, but which is like defending a living patient and his cancer. This perfect storm of our chaos has been made up of Darwinism, public schools, egalitarianism, feminism, cancel culture, fault-free divorce, abortion, same-sex mirage, recreational sex, secularism, cultural Marxism, transgenderism, rampant pornography, total tolerance, statism, eugenics, drug use, and a therapeutic approach to just about everything. All of that was thrown into the crockpot, and all of that explains why the stew tastes so rancid. And if you're wondering about my metaphors and are asking how a storm can be a stew, remember to adjust. Try to get a little more flexibility in your joints. You are living in a time when anything can be anything else, if only it wants to. Remember the cosmological context for the big lie outlined above. So, if you don't try a little harder to adapt to our mandatory unrealities, I will have to show you a picture of Dr. Rachel Levine, Health Secretary for Pennsylvania, and demand that you not laugh out loud. Laughing out loud might cause penalties to accrue. Laughing out loud contains an implicit misgendering, you science-denying fundamentalist cave-dweller. That's a pretty amazing list. Very comprehensive, at least comprehensive for the day and age that we live in. But of course, the, the list goes as far back as the Judaizers who told early Christians that they had to be circumcised to be saved. Also on the list, we might say that the Catholic Church telling people that they could only get their ancestors out of this make-believe place called purgatory by giving money to the church. Wilson is right on when it comes to the big problems of the day. I personally think that the two primary causes of the lying culture that we are in today are Darwinism and public schools. It all starts with the idea of denying God as a creator. It's hard to look around the world today and see the beauty and the glory of the earth that we live on without turning to a knowledge of somebody far greater and far more powerful and far more beauty, beautiful than we are. It just, it's almost impossible. Yet, scientists, starting with, well, before Darwin, but and certainly has picked up speed since then, spend a lot of time and energy and effort to deny that God is the creator. And they come up with all these crazy ideas. I won't go into them here, but they're working on it day and night. And then what they've managed to do to us is take our children out of our homes and teach this to them all day long. And it's not just the things that they teach. Those are bad enough. It's what they don't teach. 
they, they don't teach that everything is under the authority of God. Mathematics, English, economics, morals, ethics, it's all under the hand of a mighty God. And all that is left out of the public school curriculum. So it's not a surprise that we're in the situation we are today. That Christians have given our children over to these public godless schools. And so we look around the world and we see, well, since God is not the creator, it must be okay to murder our babies. If God didn't make us male and female, it certainly must be okay to change sex. If God didn't ordain marriage, well, why not get divorced or commit fornication or adultery? Yet, most denominations today accept this Darwinian fiction of the world being billions of years old, and most Christian parents put their kids in public schools. Now, just to be clear, uh, so I'm not accused of ignoring the log in my own eye, I'm a sinner too. Just ask anybody who knows me, my wife, my son, my friends and co-workers. That's a given. And it shows up in my life like it does in everybody else's. Also, I used to believe that the earth was billions of years old. So I'm working on repenting every day on this. And in fact, that's where we have to start. If we're going to change the world, we all have to repent. As my former pastor, Paul Hahn, tells us right here, Hello friends, I'm Paul Hahn with Mission in North America. Today I've got a very simple message for you. I read from the words of Mark's gospel beginning in verse 14 of the first chapter. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. My question for us today is, are we repenting and believing the gospel the time clearly is at hand. Jesus has not only come, he has lived a life we could not live. He died a death we all deserve. He's risen from the dead to prove that he has drawn death's sting for his people. He has ascended on high and reigns over all things for our good. Even in the middle of suffering and difficulty and economic crisis and a global pandemic, he's reigning and ruling. This is the good news. This is the gospel that he came to seek and save the lost and to bless us and to bring us into relationship with God and to help us live for him a life that is full and fruitful and shares in the good news of his kingdom. But the question is, are we repenting and believing? I'm so grateful to be able to share just a little bit of the teaching of Paul Hunt. I lived under his teaching for, I think it was about eight, five, six years. And I'm really blessed by that. And he is absolutely right. We have to repent if we're going to change the world. And we really have to start with our own personal sins. But we can't stop there. And neither can we wait till we get all those fixed. Because if we did, we'd never be able to move on. Because as we see in Psalm 2, our sins are not just individual. They're corporate. And they're not just corporate, but they're national. So if we're going to change the world, 
we have to stamp out Darwinism in our schools. Better yet, we might just stamp out our public schools. We also have to stop killing our children by the millions. On that point, did you know that a couple of years ago, more black babies were aborted in New York City than actually born? Most of all, to win this battle, we have to take the battle to the enemies of God, taking them the whole counsel of Scripture, that Jesus died to save the world, not just individuals. We need to improve our teaching of what Scripture tells us about government, culture, the broader things in the public life. That's important, but we will actually win this war only if his word, if this counsel is being taught to those with hearts to listen, those who were once enemies of God but now by his grace have been made his children. The good news is that thanks be to God, we will win this war because his son Jesus Christ already won it for us on the cross. Thanks for joining me on the Liberty Cafe.